Long history. Conquering Manila, Port 1. The expedition to Luzon in the Philippines. Hello everyone, how are you? I hope you're well and welcome to it. It's a new document, but it's actually the second document of a pair that we're looking at. The first one we looked at we called How Manila Became Spanish and this one we've called Conquering Manila. Now they both cover the same events to a certain extent, but they take different points of view and this document in particular stretches a bit further in time, which is why we've placed it after the other one. The previous document had five episodes and this one also has five episodes. And don't forget that we've got two sort of prequels to these documents. One that we called The Journey to Colonize the Philippines and the second one called The Philippines First Spanish Colony. So don't forget to explore to find those documents but also please do subscribe to be informed of when other documents are available. So just to give a bit of background in case you haven't heard the previous document, in this document it's the year 1570, the Spanish started their settlement in the Philippines on the island of Cebu, but for various reasons they were forced to move on and as this document begins, the Spanish base is on a relatively nearby island called Panay. And significantly, Panay is one step towards Luzon, which is the island where Manila is based. The Spanish first arrived in 1565, and now it's 1570. And this document itself is very contemporary, it's dated April 1572. But we don't actually know who wrote it. So get ready to go back in time to the 1570s and listen to how Manila was taken over by the Spanish and became the colonial capital on the Philippines. This is Conquering Manila Part 1, the expedition to Luzon in the Philippines. An account of the discovery and conquest of the islands of Luzon and Mindoro, together with the most important events which took place therein, being a brief and summarised relation of the conquest and reduction of all that has been conquered and subdued in these islands up to the present time. Likewise is contained herein a description of the civilization of the people and their mode of living, the weapons which they possess and use, and the forts which they build to defend themselves against their enemies. I have ventured to write this relation because I have been informed that many things concerning events in this land have been written, and sent to Nueva España, which are the merest fable and conjecture. For instance, they say that there are in this country moors like those of Barbary, and that their strength in arms is quite equal to that of those people, and that they fight and defend themselves like the Turks. Those who have written so are in error. Much to the contrary, it is quite certain that the natives of this island of Luzon whom we Spaniards commonly call Moros, are not so, for the truth is that they do not know or understand the law of Mahoma. Only in some of the villages on the sea coast they do not eat pork, and this for the reason that they have had dealings with the Moros of Burney, who have preached to them a little of the teaching of Mahoma. As I shall farther on treat more in detail of the rites and ceremonies of these natives, I shall, in the first place, describe the wars between them and the Spaniards, without useless amplification or omission, 
for thus have I been instructed to do so by a certain person who has ordered me to write. And thus, whatever I may say in defence of these natives, will be read without any mistrust whatever, for whosoever reads this will know the truth with regard to what occurs here. The first thing which I shall attempt to relate herein will be an expedition which was made by Captain Juan de Salcedo when he was governor in the island of Panay. As has been already related in other accounts written in the year 69, the Portuguese raised the blockade established by them on the island of Cebu against the camp of his majesty because of certain difficulties which arose and the governor determined to cross to the island of Panay with his captains in order to levy tribute upon the people of certain provinces. His nephew, recently made captain of the company which his brother Felipe de Saucedo had brought to these islands, was sent with 40 soldiers to certain islands. This captain embarked in 14 or 15 small native boats and set out for an islet which is called Elem, and when we had reached this island, we did not find any resistance whatever, for all the natives came to us in peace. From there, led by a guide, he crossed to the island of Mindoro and made an attack one night, just about dawn, upon a very rich native village called Mamburau and plundered it. Many of the natives were captured, some of whom afterward bought their liberty, and others were allowed to go free. Thence he took a guide for a little islet, Loban by name, which is fifteen leagues farther. When the captain was departed, the natives, who had fled from the village, returned and saw the havoc and destruction caused by the Spaniards, and were unwilling to return to rebuild it. Accordingly, they themselves set fire to it and totally destroyed it. The captain, having arrived at his destination at midnight, with all possible secrecy leaped ashore, and arranged his men and the Pintados Indians whom he had with him in ambuscade near the villages, in order to make the attack upon them at daybreak. However, the natives of this island, having been informed of the hostile incursion of the Spaniards, withdrew with their children and wives and all their belongings that they could take with them to three forts which they had constructed. Now, since these were the first natives whom we found with forts and means of defence, I shall describe here the forts and weapons which they possessed. The two principal forts were square in form, with ten or twelve culverins on each side, some of them moderately large and others very small. Each fort had a wall two estados high, and was surrounded by a ditch two and one-half brazas in depth, filled with water. The small weapons used by these natives are badly tempered iron lances, which become blunt upon striking a fairly good coat of mail, a kind of broad dagger and arrows, which are weapons of little value. Other lances are also used, which are made of fire-hardened palm wood, and are harder than the iron ones. There is an abundance of a certain very poisonous herb which they apply to their arrows. Such are the weapons which the natives of these islands possess and employ. Now, as the captain approached the villages at daybreak and found them empty, he proceeded through a grove to the place where the first fort was situated. 
and, having come inside, negotiated with them, asking whether they desired to be friends of the Spaniards. The natives, confident of their strength, refused to listen and began to discharge their culverins and a few arrows. The captain, seeing that they would not listen to reason, ordered them to be fired upon. The skirmish lasted in one place or the other about three hours, since the Spaniards could not assault or enter the fort because of the moat of water surrounding it. But, as fortune would have it, the natives had left on the other side, tied to the fort, a small boat capable of holding twenty men, and two of our soldiers threw themselves into the water and swam across, protected by our arquebusiers from the enemy who tried to prevent them. This boat, having been brought to the side where the Spaniards were, fifteen soldiers entered it and approached the rampart of the fort. As soon as these men began to mount the rampart, the Indians began to flee on the other side by a passageway which they had made for that very purpose. It is true that thirty or forty Moros fought and resisted the entrance of the Spaniards, but when they saw that half of our people were already on the wall, and the rest in the act of mounting, they all turned their backs and fled. A hundred or more of them were killed, while of our men, five were wounded. In this way was the fort taken, together with fifty or sixty prisoners, ten or twelve culverins, and everything else in it. On the morning of the next day, which was the 2nd of May in the year 1570, the captain set free one of the Moro prisoners and sent him to the second fort which was in the middle of the island very near the first one, and charged him to tell them that he summoned them to surrender peacefully. The morrow, having performed his mission, and delivered the message of the captain to those in the fort, they sent back the reply that they did not desire to be friends with the Spaniards, but were eager to fight with them, and with this reply the Indian aforesaid returned to the captain. On the following day, we went with some 400 friendly Indians to the fort, and the captain, advancing within sight of it, addressed them, asking that they should be friends with the Spaniards and not try to fight with them, as that would result badly for them. <sighs> they again declared that they did not desire this friendship, and began to fire their culverins and discharge arrows. And in return, the soldiers discharged on all sides their arquebuses, but during the whole day we were not able to enter the fort, for we Spaniards were very few in number, and the heat was intense, and we had not eaten, although it was near night. The captain, seeing that he had not accomplished anything, decided to return to the boats which he had left behind, and on the next morning again to besiege the fort, and hem them in as closely as possible, and thus he did. Having come in this manner, and having grounded the boats upon a beach close to the enemy, when these latter saw the determination of the Spaniards, and that they would not depart under any circumstances until they conquered them, they therefore determined to make peace and become friends. To this end, the leaders came out of the fort and made peace and friendship with the captain, becoming good friends, which they are up to the present time. They gave him a hundred tiles of gold, which he divided among his soldiers. 
From there, the captain went to a rock belonging to another small islet, very near to that of Loban, and lying in the sea at a very short distance from the said islet. The natives who lived in that island had retired to this rock to the number of about 300 warriors. The captain, having arrived on the same day at about 10 o'clock, went around the rock, and recaptured a small boat containing 30 men. Many volleys from the arquebuses were fired at them during this day, and on the following morning the soldiers began to make ladders to scale the rock, whose occupants, when they saw the determination of the Spaniards, came to terms of peace and friendship, giving another hundred tile of gold, following the example of those of the other fort, who had been left good friends. The captain returned with all of us who were with him to the island of Panay, where the governor was with the master of camp, and who had returned from another expedition, made with his men, to an island called Acuyo. Thereupon, the question was discussed of sending men to explore the island of Luzon, and it was agreed that the master of camp and Captain Juan de Salcedo should set out upon this expedition with a hundred soldiers. It's not until right at the very end of this episode that we hear about this expedition to the island of Luzon mentioned in the title. However, in the meantime, we've been given something of a preamble about life in the Philippines at the time for the Spanish. They seem to be wandering around the islands fairly aimlessly, actually. Battling with the people, conquering them, in their words, making friends with them, and then moving on to the next place to do the same, and always involved in these sorts of documents, is a constant search for gold. And I suppose the fact that this island of Luzon is mentioned right at the end, is something of an implication that this actually is the main prize. To anyone who doesn't know the Philippines, Luzon is actually the biggest island of the Philippines, and it's also where Manila, the current capital of the islands, is based. The previous document went up to the point where the village or town of Manila was burned to the ground and taken over by the Spanish. That happened in five episodes, but in this document, a lot of those events, as we'll see, will take place all in the next episode. And after that, the document will move on into the future. So this was... Conquering Manila, Part 1. The Expedition to Luzon in the Philippines. Thank you for listening everyone, and goodbye.